Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the upcoming. Doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs, it doesn't matter. We're here to talk about all the best and the brightest as they make their way to their dream careers. I'm your host, Jonathan Carr. Join me as we have a spectacular conversation with an equally spectacular person. You ready? Let's go. Hello, world, and welcome to The Upcoming, the perfect place to catch the best and brightest on their way to the top. Joining me now for The Upcoming's 11th episode, she is an alum of George Mason University and SUNY Purchase College, straight out of Long Island, New York. She is an intern for Earworm NY, mastering her craft and composing for film, all while being a private piano teacher, spreading the power of music with the rest of society. She is here to indulge us in her life and aspirations. So, ladies and gentlemen, Mara Keane. How's it going, Mara? Good. Thank you so much. That was, I, I know that's like the, the typical introduction, but that was so nice to hear. <laughs> uh, yeah, no problem. No problem. So, one thing uh, that we always do here, Mara, is let our guests introduce themselves. So, in your own words, who and what exactly are you? Yeah, so, um, I mean, you've heard my name is Mara. Um, I've been a musician pretty much my whole life. I started piano, I think, at the age of like five or six. I think it's six for some reason. I can't remember that right now. Not that that's the most important, but but um, I've been a musician my whole life. And I don't know, I just, I'm thankful that I always kind of knew what I wanted to do. Um, and I was only when I started, or I think about midway through high school, I decided that I wanted to do like film composing. Um, but I was nowhere near ready <laughs> to understand everything that went into that. So for my bachelor's, I got, um, I studied classical composition so that I could have, um, a well understanding of like all the technical stuff, like music theory and all that good stuff. Um, and then I recently just finished my master's at SUNY Purchase, uh, where I studied the electronic side of things and how to use the softwares. And yeah, that's kind of where I'm at now. And um, I also teach. Um, I'm doing a little less teaching these days just because the composing is taking up more time, which I'm very thankful for. Um, but I definitely do enjoy teaching especially to people that want to be taught which is kind of the key thing here um but yeah i think i i think if i could really like describe myself i'd like to say that i am someone who i guess in terms of like my career especially i like the idea of being able to form like uh, a conversation or a mood and put that in music and I like the idea of like every time you play a song, everyone has like a different take on it. Even if everyone's reading like the exact same notes, the exact same rhythm, whatever, everyone has their own unique spin on it, like a vibe that comes through. And I think that's kind of beautiful. Uh, but so to go into that a little bit more, um, I kind of like to create because I like how cool it is that um like you know everyone has like their own vibe really I don't know if vibe is <laughs> the best word but uh, everyone kind of has like their own their own way about them and so somebody somebody said to me one of my professors uh Dr. Glenn Smith um he still teaches at George Mason University I used to study privately under him he was telling me a story one day in his office how 
he learned that um, when he was when he was very young, he learned that um, the best way that he could um, continue on like this this musical world, this musical tradition is to give back into it, which is why he started composing. And although I had already known by that point that I wanted to do composing and creation, um, after hearing that, it really like pushed me into it of like, wow, that's that's a pretty good way of looking at it. Um, so yeah, yeah <laughs> I hope really that great. sums me up. <laughs> it, that is that is interesting. So I was gonna be um just think about how you say everybody um has their own different idea of how you know they want to handle the same synth and maybe the same like chord progressions or melodies so when you're when you're writing you know something similar to or something like different synth like what do you what are you imagining for yourself like how are you seeing this like synth or how are like how are you seeing it that might be different from someone else Oh, like when you're creating and everything. Oh, okay. I, I think I'm, um, yeah. So to get more into it, like, so yeah, so kind of like when you take, um, like, okay, like, like, let's say everyone, um, knows like a typical chord, let's say like a C major chord. That's like one of the first chords, um, people usually start out with. Um, so like, that's, that's like the three notes, right? Like C, E, and G. And so, you know, sorry, I think you can hear my cat now. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah so let's say like everyone has like the same tools let's say everyone has the same notes that they can use but um I think like the way that we move from like chord to chord let's say is going to be different um well actually wait let me let me take a step back so when we create it's it's a little bit different than when we're all playing like the same piece of music so like when you're creating something everyone is like in their mind the biggest the biggest challenge when it comes to like creating is taking what you can like hear and feel in your head and your body with music and translating that onto a page or into a song or, or whatever it is when it comes to like performing a piece that has already been written like you know like all like the the um the like I can't think of the right word I guess we'll say like the, the you know like the classical composers like Mozart and Beethoven whatever so their their music like they're long gone right so their music lives on so so every time somebody plays their music even though we're all reading the same notes the same order of them the same rhythm whatever we are still creating our own spin on it because nobody's going to use like the exact same intention when they play every single time. And everybody's going to different from each other. Like um, to get like to a little more technical, like um, I might linger on a chord that someone else might jump quickly off of. And that might be because when I'm playing it, I feel like um, when I get to that point, I, I want this sound to resonate before I move into the next big section. And some people, when they're playing it, they might just go quickly into the next thing because that's how they interpret it. So I guess to kind of uh, clarify what I was saying, like when it comes to um, when it comes to being like a performer and you're um, and you're playing pieces that already exist, we all have like our own take on it. 
But then when it comes to creating, I think everyone has like, this is something that I think is actually kind of beautiful. I think everyone has inside of them, like they're like, they're a completely like original way of creating music. And so like, yes, we all have the same tools. Like we all know, like, like theory or whatever it is. Like we all know how, like, if you want like a standard chord progression, you do like one, four, five, like stuff like that. We all know that, but it's the way that like you put a spin on it or like just little things that make it unique. Like there's, there's a whole reason why people like, like Mozart and like Beethoven and all these people. And there's so many, so many more great people, but these are just a couple that I guess everyone would know. There's a reason why these people have been dead for hundreds of years and their music is still played today. Like it stood the test of time. And it's because what they did is like, they took just typical like chord progressions that everybody else was using at the time, but they changed and moved in ways in their music that was so, so unexpected and so exciting to your ear that people today, hundreds of years later, are still so intrigued by this music. Um, I hope that answers that question. Definitely. It's definitely just some behold, like Chopin, Mozart, um, you know, Debussy. I always come yeah. with that word, <laughs> with that name. I'm sorry, Debussy. They yeah, all, yeah. Those people were geniuses. You just got to. Oh, yeah. Their music is honestly so beautiful. And it's funny. It's funny because, like, a lot of people today, um, Okay, well, actually, let me say, when I was younger, when I was in, like, high school and stuff, I thought, and I, like, feel kind of, like, stupid saying this now, at the no. time, I was, like, this is, this is boring, classical music is stupid, and I was, like, who cares about that when, I, when, like, there's all these pop artists, like, that's what people care about, but, like, the thing is, but this is what I think is so, so cool about music, when you look at it from, like, a bigger perspective, everything from like every point in time up until today has affected the music that we hear today like like pop songs like you hear that and you compare it with like Debussy or like Chopin like you were saying and you're like okay these are like two totally different things but actually like they're pretty similar like a lot of like chord progressions that are used like certain rhythms like it's it's nice that like all of this really is part of like one big tradition you're definitely right. And I think that just, that speaks a lot of, still speaks a lot of volume. And for a time, I too was thinking like, yeah, we got pop music. What do we care about these dead old guys? Yeah. <laughs> no, but it actually drives me to my next questions. It's funny. We we're talking about classical music. Cause I, there's something I got to know. Uh, Mara nowadays, even with, as we talk about Beethoven, Chopin, Mozart, even with them being considered classical music, do you believe that later decades of music can be fall in the same category? That's a really good question. <laughs> wow, I really have to think. That's a good question. Um, you know what? It's funny because there's, I'm sorry, my cat likes to start making lots of sounds. Um, there's um, there's a lot of ways to look at this, I think. Wow, that's a really good question. You know why? Like, because what if you think about it, like, Okay, so if we're getting really technical, okay, so, and this is like the conversations that I have with people where 
where they're like, okay, maybe we don't need to get that into it. <laughs> but if we get really technical with it, like there's several different eras of music, right? There's like, there's Baroque, there's classical, there's romantic, there's impressionism, uh, contemporary, like there's all different eras of music. But like, you know, I said, I just said to you, like I, I categorize like Debussy and Chopin in the classical music era, but like technically they're not. Um, and so like, I think that to our ear today, like our ear in 2022, all of these sound like quote classical because we're not so used to hearing this like compared to the music that we hear today on the radio and everything like compared to that like when we have so much like electronic music and like all these other like effects and all of this stuff in our ear when we go back and we hear like these um orchestral works or like or just piano solos like it sounds to us today very like quote classical because there's no special effects like there's no electronic yeah. stuff going on so I think a lot of it is all relative because like if if we go back then like in like the 1700s 1800s like um like okay to get even more technical <laughs> to go from like classical to like romantic the romantic era of music had like more like um things that were more jarring to the ear like sharps and flats and and um and when we think about like um the actual like classical period it was pretty pretty standard lots of going from like c major to g major and very happy and then when we went to like the romantic era it changed a bit where things are more jarring but like when i say jarring like people back then would literally like because this was your whole thing you would go and see a piano concert that was the equivalent of like going out today and seeing like your favorite artists on tour but it wasn't like a big production it was just someone sitting at a piano and you all sat around and you listened and that was that but you know then people like literally i can't think of like the exact composer at this moment but there was a classical composer who played something where he started to experiment with like different sounds and people left they were like oh this is terrible like this is so jarring to the ear like and so like then so it's all relative if you were alive then like if you just heard something that was like instead of super happy had some sad aspects to it you'd be like what am I listening to like like what is this person doing this is crazy my ear isn't used to this but now because we've we've heard so much different music especially in the 20th century alone there was like constant developments of music the same way it goes hand in hand with the development of technology being so rapid in the last like I don't know, like I want to say like 50 years or so, definitely longer, but it's the same thing with music. As technology develops, music also develops because they go hand in hand with each other. And so I guess to really like go back into it, like I think like typically and generally when we when we say like what is the classical era, you know, we all just kind of say, and I just did the same thing, even though I like studied all this stuff, I still will just be like, yeah, Chopin, WC, Mozart, they're all the same. <laughs> but if we really break it down, they're not, they're very different. They're in like different like eras, but comparing that to music today, it can all kind of like relatively be considered classical. So uh, do I think that maybe like a hundred years from now, 
um, music today could be considered classical. Maybe not exactly, but some form of that, because I have no idea where we're going to be at, because in the last like 100 years, we've had so many different like genres of music form. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's, but honestly, I'm I'm kind of just I'm kind of down for that. I kind of like this whole evolution of things because it's really just goes to show you how creative and you know how creative and sort of kind of brilliant people can be. Yeah, and you know what? It is like there's a lot of negative things happening, and for good reason. <laughs> there's a lot of not so good things happening in the world, but. I just want to say, though, that like a, a bright spot, and I think this is also why so many people connect to like the arts and why it's so important, because like some of the biggest and brightest people who like are scientists, they're also musicians. Like it kind of goes hand in hand. Like, I mean, music is like pretty much universal, like everybody yeah. from different countries, different cultures, even if they've never, you know, seen like an urban city like we have, maybe they still, and maybe never touched like a sine wave or a electric guitar. They still, they still make, play music with what they, what they can make. They make do with what they have. And even then it's still like, wow, I can't believe y'all came up with this sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, no, it's, it's so, it's so true. Like, you know, like, I love that you said that, like you mentioned how it's universal, because it's so true, like, you don't have, and it's also, this is something, too, that I want to say, because sometimes I feel like, especially not, not so much recently, because I've been studying, like, electronic music, but I felt like in my bachelor's when I was, when I was studying classical music, I definitely got, like, a vibe from people, sometimes, like, non-musicians, when I would talk to them, um, where there was kind of, like, this bias of, like, oh, like, but, like, you know, like, um, like, you hear things differently than, like, like, we would, like, you're more, like, knowledgeable about music, so you'll have a better, like, knowing if it's good or bad, but that's not true, like, I have, because I have the knowledge of how music works, I can understand it maybe better, but, like, you don't have to, you could literally, like, have zero knowledge about any music whatsoever, and you yourself can dictate for yourself if something to you sounds good or bad, like everything is so relative, like, and that's the beauty of it too. Like you don't have to be this like person that spends all this time, like studying this stuff because like, we all have music inside of us. Like we all have stuff we like and we don't like. And, you know, like you see people like, you know, you always see these videos of like people going up to people on the street and they're like, Hey, like, what are you listening to? And like, everyone's stuff is so different like you yourself yeah everyone's stuff is so different like that's exactly right like some people could be listening to let's say alt rock and another person we could listen to like reggae or like egyptian music or something so it's really just sort of i'm sorry but it's just i just had to like better really like it just music like the taste in music can be so subjective and so like very so differently so it's just it just really makes you think like wow we we're all so alike yet so different in so many ways yeah and, like ex- ex- sorry oh i don't mean to cut you off <laughs> no 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 please if anything, i'll cut you off first so <laughs> but, but that's that's exactly it like that's that's what's so cool about it like 
like okay like when you go like for example when you go to a concert with people like everyone there is not this like this person who has like in-depth knowledge about like music and all this stuff they're just people vibing and enjoying to something that they like like something I love I honestly love about going to concerts is I'm like wow this is cool that all of us here like the same music like and it doesn't matter if it's like um an artist that's selling uh like millions and tours and like all of this stuff or it's someone that like is up and coming like whoever it is like or someone that like just started it like it's a beautiful thing to gather with people collectively and listen to something and all of you are like yeah I'm enjoying this right now <laughs> yeah right now but um about class I really want to hear a little bit more about you Mara so I know that you Right now, you're working with Earworm and Y on a Netflix show. I believe it's called Princesses Wear Pants. Yeah. So after reading up about it, I can tell that it will take on a sort of bubbly and kind of like upbeat mood to it. So, you know, having this mood already sets, how do you see this opportunity like shaping how you like set, you know, let's say the setting or the mood for films or tv shows um in the future oh like um like how does well let me just clarify like how does this show kind of like affect shows in the future is that what you're asking yeah 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 so i um okay so this show um it's not out yet it should be out i believe early 2023 we're still working on the first season um but i think I don't know. That's a good question. I truly don't know. I wish I had an answer for that. That's definitely something I'm going to think about today. Um, I don't have an answer for that, but I, I I guess the best thing I could say is like something that I can't give like too much stuff away about this particular show because it's not out yet. But um, I think one thing that I can say is that comparing this to like because it's it's like a cartoon comparing this to like cartoons in the past I think that there's gonna be like currently in the past and in the future a long tradition of cartoons kind of using like classical music like speaking of like literally everything comes back to this um using classical music in their um in their shows but I will say like um like, uh, I think that, okay, let me just say one example. So, like, if you look at a cartoon like Tom and Jerry, a lot of it is classical music, right? Like, and so, but you might look at some some shows today, like cartoons today that have classical music and they have electronic elements to it as well. So you'll hear more like synths in it. You'll hear more like, um, my God, why can't I think of any other show? <laughs> but... Well, let's um, look at the yeah. um. Like, look at let's look at like the like Tom and Jerry. I'm thinking also like um Looney Tunes too, like classical yeah. cartoons because they they all heavily relied on orchestras to whether they were just you know sitting around or like in action or something. They was, you always heard music playing. You know, oh yeah, yeah. Because if you have you ever like I, I'm sure probably like at some point in your life like whether you remember or not, because I feel the same way, like, when you're a kid and, like, you kind of just, like, watch TV, whether it's on, like, 
quiet or not, like if something's going on, kind of like if your parents are trying to distract you. Like if you listen to a show like Tom and Jerry, I think that's like the best example I could think of, or like Looney Tunes exactly. Like if you listen to it um, without the music, like it's just on silent, it is not the same effect at all versus like hearing hearing the music that's supposed to go along with it. And it's not just for the fact that like you're missing something because it's on silent and it's not playing. It's that like the what music does a lot of the time is it fills up like a space. And I think that's actually why a lot of people like, I feel like this is a silly statement, but like a lot of people love music so much, especially like today, but like, you know, like for example, like how come when we walk around, a lot of us have like, um, like AirPods or, um, earphones in when we're listening and everything like instead of listening to the world around us like it could be that people are are on phone calls like whatever but a lot of it is that music fills up space and it kind of forces you to not think for a little bit sometimes and I'm not saying that these shows like that's not why they had the music the music was purposely to elevate what you're watching like that's what film and tv music does it elevates the story or adds to it um but you know like when we when we listen to music it takes us out of like what like all of these thoughts we have going on and we're just kind of like existing in that moment and i I think that yeah music kind of helps us escape you know it's yeah it's true yeah it's it's truly a wonderful wonderful like escape to it so i'd love to just keep going but um i just had um another question to ask you about this and it's you know it's funny we're talking about um composing right now because this is i've just i was just couldn't help but um do some um look on other famous composers like let's say john williams or danny mm-hmm. elfman and you know as we talk about how different um old cartoons will sound without music or how people can escape reality the same can be said for like um like film and you know, like let's say the latest MCU movies or uh, whatever movie Brad Pitt is in right now. Like, <laughs> what do you think when you, when you look at these like incredible composers, incredible composers, what is it that you think these people do often that you would maybe like want to do different? Like what's something about them that you think are like, mm, I can, let's, let's move it in a different uh, sort of path. So I think, I think um, something that I don't love admitting, but it's honest, so I'm going to say it anyway. So like last night, I was just listening to um, uh, The Circle of Life from The Lion King. And I was like, and a lot of people, I keep seeing this in like TikToks and stuff on on Instagram. A lot of people will be like, this soundtrack makes me cry every time. And it kind of makes me cry too. But my point of what like... um, Oh, actually, never mind. Let me just get into it. <laughs> like, when I listen to it, I am almost like, I no, not almost. I am jealous because I'm like, God, this is so good. <laughs> and then I have the thoughts of like, is my stuff ever going to be this good? Like, this is a really good piece of music. And so I think, I guess, like, I I don't like, I've, I've watched like some, um, 
some clips like of of all these great like film composers discussing like their method and everything like especially like Hans Zimmer he had um I had master class for a bit and um he had he has a whole um a whole class on there where he talked about it and what he does and everything um and I am truly just amazed. I am so sorry. As I was thinking about the circle of life, I completely forgot your question. <laughs> Could you tell me one more time? I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's okay. What about the work of famous composers like, say, John Williams, Hans Zimmer, Danny Elfman? What is it that they do often that you would do different? Oh, that I would do different. That's a tough one. I don't know. And you know what? I think right now I genuinely do not know because I'm so like, I don't like to describe myself as being thirsty, but like the truth is I'm just trying so hard to just get into this industry and stay in it and move up and succeed that it's hard for me to say at this moment in time what I would do differently because I feel so small, like compared to all of these great film composers, like, and that's not to like diminish my stuff or what I'm doing or anything like that. But it's just that like, these people have so many years of owning their or honing, that's the wrong word, <laughs> honing on their skills. And I am, even though I, and I mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast, even though I've been studying music like my whole life, playing piano, whatever. I am just now entering this industry that I have wanted to be part of for so long. So that I guess the best answer I could say is it's hard for me to say what I would do differently because I am so just desiring <laughs> to be in this field that I really, I really don't know what I would do different because like, okay, let me also say this with another quote from um, my former private teacher, Dr. Glenn Smith. Um, in order to like move forward in history, like with music, you always have to look back because you need to see like what was done to get to the point that it's it's at now. And so right now I'm just paying close attention to whatever knowledge and education I can get from all these great film composers so that I can use that and move forward with it because they have many years on me that I do not have. So right now, nothing different, just trying to learn and hoping for the best. <laughs> I like that answer. So <laughs> now I just wanted to go, go into the next, um, to the next bit. So, you know, as we were talking about music, I couldn't help but think about, you know, melodies and, like tunes that maybe you don't even know this the song to yet, but it's still just in your head. Like I have, I have this one that where it just goes like, it's like that violin, like the violins, and it's still like is in my head, and I'm still trying to figure out what song that is. So I know, like as a film composer, you'll often have like like your own like melodies or your own like chords like in your head, and so when you when you've been thinking about it. And the more they go in your head, how do you, like, how long do you let them, do you like to let them, like, stay in your head so you can, they can be better fleshed out? Or do you just, like, immediately get to, like, writing them out and trying to figure it, trying to figure um, everything out? That's a good question. So, right now, let me just say, I'm very tired right now because, um, so, right, okay, so yesterday I was working on 
um this opportunity I have I can't like it's hard because I can't get into these things because like they're not like official yet but it was an opportunity that I have to have like um one of my some of my own music in a Netflix show and so um it's like it's like an orchestral things it's very it's very like quote classical sounding and stuff um and so like last night like I I need it done by Thursday right so but it's hard to like force creativity sometimes I mean we're motivated by deadlines that's the whole field but like but anyway so last night around like 9 p.m. I just stopped because I was like okay you're gonna be so tired like nothing good is coming from this like and so I did not sleep because all night I and this normally does not happen to me where I have like this like creative burst it like I'm pretty thankful that sometimes it just kind of happens when I need it to not all the time but often I think because I kind of force myself sometimes I don't know but but la all of last night, I kept having all these good ideas for like, like what you said, like hearing this, like, this like quote of music in my head and, and thinking like, oh, this would work perfectly here. Oh, that's why that didn't work. Like one thing I've been trying to do this one section, there was just something off and I couldn't tell what it was. And like at like midnight, I was like, oh, that's right. It's not a marimba that I needed to xylophone. <laughs> and so all night long I had this stuff but I didn't want to get up and write it down because like I had this this morning I have so many other things so I was like if I do this I'm gonna be way too tired tomorrow and so I didn't get to write it down but I put notes in my phone if you look at and I think any composer can attest to this if you look at like the notes that we write down for ourselves like because like you know like you don't always have access to I mean in a perfect world I would always have access to like my keyboard and everything and I could like record it and write it down but um because we don't always have access to that I'll like write it on my notes in my phone and like literally <laughs> I literally just put like F-M-E-E -E, try xylophone <laughs> None of it makes yeah. any sense to anybody else except for myself. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, a lot of people understand that because um, as, as somebody um, learned piano myself, it's definitely. Yeah, it's definitely, tough. Yeah, it's 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 tough. It's very tough. It's, oh, my goodness. It's <laughs> so tough. But no, it's, it's tough like but that's let me tell you literally the whole entire thing of like being a creative not creative um that's the wrong word being a a composer like a music composer the whole thing that is that actually makes it difficult and, and ignoring like the difficulties in getting into the industry whatever whatever it's that you have to be able to translate what's in your head onto paper and into music. Like if you can't do that, then you, you can't be in the field because there are so many people like, honestly, I, I believe not everyone I think will agree with this, but I personally believe that everybody like in their head comes up with like really cool ideas, like musical ideas, like, because like, you know, it's just going to happen naturally. Like you're listening to like a new song that you just heard and in your head you start like manipulating it a little bit and you're like, mm, it could sound cool if it was like that. But the, the tough part about it is putting that, onto paper and then being able to show the thoughts and the musical thoughts in your head 
with other people in a way that makes sense. And I feel for you because it is so tough. Like it, and it, it's been tough for me for many years. Like it's only honestly recently been a lot easier. And that's only because I've just been practicing it over and over. And, but it's, it's a tough thing to do. Like I, I personally believe everybody is creative. I, I know people all the time. I encounter people and they're like, what do you do? And I say, I do this. And then they're like, oh, well, I was never creative. I, a lot of people feel they aren't creative people. And I know someone listening to this is going to be like, yeah, I'm not. But like, (laughs) I swear that everyone is creative. Like whether you're cognizant that you're doing it or not, we all musicians and non-musicians alike, we all hear a melody or something and we change it in our head and we think like, we're like, yeah, maybe that'd be cool. But like, if you don't have like the skills and I, when I say skills, this is like just a matter of practicing this. Like if you don't have the, like the skills to translate it onto like a page or something, it's difficult. But I will also say, um, I will hear like songs in my head all the time. And I'm like, man, what is that from? I have that same problem. People meet musicians and they're like, because someone said this to me once when I was tutoring someone for um like a gen ed music class back at like my bachelor's they literally said to me don't you just know all music and I was like what like how would I possibly know like that's just not and also the amount of new songs being created every day nobody is ever gonna know every single piece of music but that's kind of besides the point I just want to say I have the same problem, even though I'm like a musical person, I will hear things all the time in my head. I'm like, God, what is that from? Like, And it drives me absolutely nuts. Yeah, it's absolutely nuts to believe me. So but it's funny you were talking about um, teaching because you are you have been a private um, piano teacher, you know, and so what's something that your students will do often that you What's something students, that your students will do often where you got to tell them like, hey, like, you know, pump your brakes or hey, <laughs> like, let's, you're, let's, let's slow down there. Let me show you how it's done. Because I know a lot of students learning will get myself, I, I teach you myself piano and I was oftentimes, I'm sure they'll, when you're learning, you kind of get excited and you think like, hey, I can like play this song or do this or do that. But how, how have you had to like, you know, so I tell your students to slow down what's what, what, and what causes that? Yeah. So, okay. So that's, there's a few, few things here. So I, I never want to tear down someone's confidence. Like I personally, like if I, as soon as I see someone getting excited about something, I push that. Like if I, okay. So like, if I come into a lesson And I like, I typically have a plan. Like, I know I'm not like a school teacher. I just like teach people in their homes and stuff. But like, I typically have a plan of what we're going to do in that like hour or whatever. And so if I come there and I have like, okay, we're going to learn X, Y, and Z today. And we start and like, they'll like show me something like this happens a lot. Um, Someone will show me a song and they'll be like, oh, wait, can I actually show you? I also made something up. And then like, and I told them before they showed me that, that we have like set things we were going to learn. But as soon as I see in their eyes that, that spark, they're excited. This is their connection to music. They were looking forward to showing me 
like I pump the brakes and I'm like, okay, you know what? Let's focus on this. Like, I want you to be excited about it. Like, I'm happy that you're excited about this. And I, this act, this actually like this specific um, situation does come up a lot for me because I'll like, I end up teaching a lot of composition, even though like a lot of these kids just want to, like the parents just want them to learn piano. We end up going into composition too, because to really, sometimes to really play something very well, you have to have like a good understanding too of like how music sounds the way that it does. So like when kids get excited, and I say kids, I've taught adults too, but like just right now it's mostly been children. But like when I see someone getting excited about something, I push it. Like I'll be like, oh my God, yeah, what you played sounds really good. Like, um, can I show you something? And then I show them like a chord that they like kind of came up with. And I'm like, isn't that cool how this sounds happy, but this one sounds sad. And they're like, oh my God, yeah. And like, we go into a whole thing. So like, I personally, like, I actually, this is my approach to it. I I don't think that I ever like pumped the brakes on people. I think they pumped the brakes on me because really? I, yeah, I come in with a set plan and then I see they're excited about something and I want to tap into that. I, I want them to be excited. Like, I don't want anyone to ever feel uh, like, so like, what can I control, right? In my control and in my power, if I'm going to influence people for as, however long I'm teaching them, whether it's a year, two years, a month, whatever, I want them that when I come that day, they know they're going to have a good experience, even if they didn't practice, like they're going to get something out of it. Like that's, that's, I feel personally that if like your teachers affect everyone, like everyone, and especially like, you know, if you're listening, like, I'm sure like you can imagine having a teacher that like personally affected you and in either a positive way or a negative way. And even though teaching isn't my main thing, like I, I do want to eventually just be a full-time composer, the teaching that I do do, <laughs> I, I care about. And I understand that like my actions as a teacher really do affect my students. So in whatever capacity I do, I feel personally responsible for bringing them into a tradition that they are just starting to be a part of. And that tradition being music, um, but yeah, no, I, it's funny when you said pump the brakes, I literally like, I just, I laughed because I just had a flashback to like all these kids just being like, like, just like, just reckless with just like the stuff that they would say, <laughs> but that's not what we were talking about, but, but yeah. It's all right. It's all right. So I was going to, here's a quote from Hans Zimmer. So it says, if I play a, if I play you a piece of music, that's when you can truly look inside me. So really deep. So when looking at your career, especially going down to the future, what do you want people to see in you when you write and play music? I guess that's a good question. I don't know. I guess, um, I guess, you know what? I think I would want people to see that I have good intentions. And what I mean by that is that like, no matter what piece of music I've created, I would like someone to hear it. No, wait, let me, let me actually say that over again. Cause I think in general, as a person, I like people to know that I have good intentions, but like as a, as a musician, like with my music, like I want people to feel something and 
you know, like that sounds like kind of a really ordinary response because like no matter what, you're going to listen to music, you're going to have some reaction, whatever it is. So that's like a basic human thing that's going to happen regardless if I intend for that or not. But I think like when I say intent, like I want people to like, I like the idea and this is why I wanted to do film music. I like the idea of just kind of showing something with someone and you know, they can formulate their own feelings about it. And it's something for them to think about. Like, like, you know, like when you walk out of like this, this is what really hit me when I was in high school and made me want to do music. I forgot what movie I was watching. Um, but I remember like walking out of the theater and people were just discussing, they're like, oh my God, that soundtrack was so good. Like it was so good. And, um, and they were talking about like, um, like all these different things. And, it just made me think like, you know, like, I like that I want to do something that people talk about, like, whether it's positive or negative, like, I want to, like, I don't create things with the intent of everyone liking it or everyone disliking it. I know that this is, this is kind of like a hot topic within like the music community, because it's the whole like, do you create things just for you and whoever attracts it? Or do you create things for a specific audience and, and then money comes into play, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the, the other composers listening definitely understand <laughs> what I mean by that whole debate. But like, I think personally, like I just do the best job that I can in, especially when it comes to like um, film scores and stuff in, in getting what the director wants translated through music and however people react to it I'm just happy that people are reacting and I'm happy that they're able to listen to it because like I heard this quote um it was like you die twice you like you know you die when you die but you also die the last time that someone has said your name uh, but, you know, if you do music, you kind of live forever. Like, we're still talking, like, we've literally been, like, talking about, like, Mozart and all these people that have been dead for hundreds of years. So I feel like, you know, if I can leave a legacy through music, I will feel like that was, that was my point in, like, being on Earth. So, yeah, I think when it comes down to it, that's, that's the biggest thing. All right. All right. That's what I like to hear. So... <laughs> I saw that you were part of the film score roundtable club at uh, Purchase. Yeah. Uh, really, really interesting right there. So I know one thing that you know I've always loved about Purchase is the sense of community that Purchase can bring because you're meeting like a whole bunch of people who are just like you in terms of, you know, whether they're musicians or dancers or actors or writers. So how is, in your experience, Mara, how is community built your aspirations and abilities as a composer have you felt maybe more competitive or have you felt more open like how has it affected you as a as a, as a composer and as a person yeah so I I used to be competitive I was before I started purchase I think because like well let me just preface this by saying I loved where I got my bachelor's I loved George Mason University I had such a good experience like I would do it again. Like it was so fun. Um, but I definitely think the music community there was more competitive because it kind of was set up that way because the main focus really at that school is on like the education majors. So like 
I felt like it was kind of set up for like the composers to be competitive because there wasn't many of us, especially females. That's like a big thing. There wasn't many female composers. Well, there kind of was at the very end, but not throughout the four years that I was there. But I felt like we were all like competing with each other because there wasn't like as many spots available, I want to say, for like things. But at purchase, actually, I changed my outlook on that because I because, you know, it's a competitive field. But the truth is, you know, when you look, if you look at everyone as your competitor, you're in this alone. You're not going to get anywhere. Maybe you could. I'm sure there are exceptions to what I just said. But like, in my opinion, like you, you have to be in it with people like you got to be in it to win it, first of all. But then you have to be in it with friends like like I, I know so many good musicians that like I like at first when I first started purchase, I was like, oh, my God, I suck. All these people are so good. Like, what am I going to do? Like, but that's not the reality of it. Like the good reality is, OK, these people are good. Great. Let me become close with them. Let me learn from them. Let's collaborate on things. And I that's why I started the Film Score Roundtable Club because I wanted there to be more collaboration, especially between the film and the music department at Purchase. And like, but yeah, there's there's so many good musicians out there, like so many, it's unbelievable. And it gets unfortunate even because there's so many good, good ones that ends up having to stop for like financial reasons or like whatever it is, you know, like you do what you have to do to support yourself. I 10,000% respect that and understand that, but it definitely does feel like a shame because there are so many good musicians out there. And like, um, there's so many that I met at Purchase, including someone you had, you already had on your podcast, Emma Steen. Um, she is so good. She is so talented, which you already know because you've already interviewed her and anybody listening already knows that too. But it's like, you know, I used to be competitive because I thought I had to, but it doesn't get you anywhere. When you work with people and you collaborate and you learn, like you're that much better. It's like the same thing in life in general. I feel like, I know this is like off topic, but I just want to say, I feel like with like female friendships, a lot of it sometimes can be competitive because like, you know, everyone wants to like one up each other sometimes, but like the reality is that like, you want to be friends with people who you respect, you feel like are better than you sometimes, honestly, because you want them to help lift you up too. And it's the same thing with like professional like relationships. Like a lot of my music friends, like they're my friends. And I also respect them so much. I see them as like other professionals because they're so good at what they do. Like, why would I not want to work with people who I think are so much better than me? Like, I want them to help me get better. So I used to be competitive, but not anymore because being competitive, honestly, in all avenues of life, not always because, you know, in sports, you have to be competitive, you know, but like typically in my life, I find it to be like a waste of time because you're, you're better off working alongside one another than against each other. Yeah, yeah, that is actually as a hundred percent true, and I'm so glad that we can both agree on that. Just being able to work with others just gives you, a, it just gives you a huge chance to see how they do it and see how you can do better. And yeah, definitely, because there's always room for improvement. 
there's always, always, always room for improvement. No, nobody's perfect. So, nope. <laughs> so um, let's see here. On to my so last question. As you work with, let's say, Earworm, and as you continue to you know, be amongst creative thinkers and musicians, like, let's, let's, let me ask you this. When looking at your legacy from either from, like, from whether with Earworm or with other companies or film studios, as you work your way to becoming a you know, famous composer, how, what, what is something you don't want people to, like, what opinion do you not want people to have of you? Oh, what opinion not to? Um, oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I guess, I don't know. That's, that's a, that's a good question because I don't really know what, you know what, let me say, I, I know what I personally like the opinion that I wouldn't want, like, okay, I wouldn't want to work with someone who is difficult to communicate with, or they're not open, like, to any suggestions, or, well, that's, like, a relative thing, but that's, I don't want to get into that right now, but, like, but I would want to work with someone who just in general is difficult to work with. So I guess I would never want anybody to think that that's how I am because I think I try and sometimes I try too much, uh, which is a whole other thing in my life being a people pleaser, but that's not what the podcast is about. <laughs> but I, um, I, I think that I wouldn't want people to think that I like, I don't have my own opinion or something like, um, I think that like, I used to be really like gung ho in the sense of like, cause I I've done like a lot of student films and stuff. And I say student films just because when you're a student, there's, there's a level of understanding there that like, you're, you're both learning. Like there's only so much expectations you're going to have. And like, you know, I always do them for free cause they're student films. So like, there's a certain level of like expectation there, but like, um I used to be the person who was like oh my god yes you want you want 10 reduce sure of course no problem because I just wanted like to get a chance and get and people to get to know me so like now like let me actually like flip that a little bit because it's confusing for me (laughs) to think about what I wouldn't want people to think I I would want people to to see that like one like like I will get the job done. I will do it well. I listen. I'm communicative. Communicative. I don't think that's a word, but you know what I mean. But yeah, um, but yeah, like um, I would want people to know that I do the absolute best that I can, and I am always willing to like like um. I'm always willing to be better. I think that's the best thing I can say. Like, like I'm at a point now that like, I don't like, okay, I still need to prove myself because I literally just started in this industry like this summer with this internship with Earworm New York. But like, um, but I don't feel this like drastic need to prove myself like I did before where like, I would be like crazy about like doing something 10,000 times to make sure it was perfect. I think that the big thing in music, like, especially when you create something, not even just music, like when you're an artist, like painter, drawer, filmmaker, whatever it is, like no matter, or creative writer, like whatever you are in the arts, there's a certain point where you like put the pen down and you're like, this, this is this, I don't, I'm not going to touch it anymore. Like, 
like, cause you go crazy trying to do that. So yeah, I don't do that anymore, but even though I'm not like that, I still want people to know that I do the job well because I care. Like if I didn't care, I'd just be like, hmm. but I, <laughs> I am not one of those people. I care. And a lot of times too much. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if that answered that, but I hope that it did. And it did. It did. definitely. <laughs> And I like to I like to ask uh, those questions because it's sort of yeah that was my dog walking by it's just that <laughs> because we often like have our own ideas of like what we want people to see in our um like in our legacies and obviously we all want you know people to have good thoughts of us but it's just really it really even makes me sometimes think like oh man. What is something I don't want people to think of me? And, you know, I know through all your endeavors and all the things you've learned that people are definitely going to be like, oh, wow, she's, you know, fantastic and everything. Well, she's thank thank really you good. so much. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. This podcast but, was good for my anxiety, so thank you. <laughs> glad, glad to hear that. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, unfortunately, we're out of time, so that. Ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the 11th episode of the upcoming. I just want to give another huge thank you to uh, Mara Keen. Thank you so much again for doing this, Mara. Yeah, thank, thank you so much for having me. I would do this all again. Thank you so much. Yes, yes, of course, of course. <laughs>All right, folks, that is it for this episode of The Upcoming. Be sure to tune in next week for episode 12. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at the underscore upcoming podcast. And, yeah, just be sure to stay tuned in for every new and exciting episode. That is it for this one. So see you next week. Good night. Thank you for tuning in to The Upcoming. If you like this, please sure to follow us on Spotify for more amazing content. The best is yet to come. Take care, everybody.